Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. The hang ups we have today. Welcome into episode 146 of the Source to Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Source to Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way or Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, I am feeling so much better. So, so, so much better after tonight's absolute beatdown in Lawrence. Kentucky takes down the Kansas Jayhawks by final score of 80 to 62, Sean. It was an absolute masterpiece from the Wildcats from start to finish. Uh, Kentucky just rolls offensively. Keon Brooks finishes with a career-high 27 points. Oscar Sheeway proves proves to be the real National Player of the Year contender, not the uh, pretender that is on the Kansas Jayhawks. Ty Ty Washington returns officially for the Wildcats. 
so many different narratives to roll with, so many different ways to look at this win. Uh, but let's just start off with some in- initial takeaways, Sean. What impressed you the most about Kentucky's performance in Lawrence? Uh, the ability to do it from beginning to end. I, I think that's what you take away. This was a complete 40 minutes of basketball and a, a different style from half to half. They put up a ton of points. They put up 51, but their defense tonight, too. The way that they defended, you know, Kansas got to 40 points there with about 14 minutes to go. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this thing might get to 70. Kansas might hit it some bad. No, he got 62. And you saw the efficiency climb in Kimpong. Kentucky's up to three overall. They're, they stayed at four and adjusted offense. And then they jumped all the way to 19th. They jumped five spots defensively. I'm, I'm not sure where that will fall by the end of the night, but. Uh, going into the recording, it's at fourth offensively and 19th defensively. And those elite teams that get to a Final Four, they're always in that ballpark, Jack. And here comes Kentucky. They're surging. I, I said today on the pregame show that if they could get this win, a one seed is in play. But this firmly puts you on the two seed line. They have no bad losses. All four losses are in the quad one category. Now they're four and four in quad ones, and they have a chance to uh, climb and add a lot of wins to that category. This is a team that can cut down the nets in New Orleans here in a few months. Sean, you bring up that Ken Palm number. They're up to number three overall, number four uh, in offense, and number 19 in defense. Sean, uh, eight of the last nine national champions were ranked in the top 10 in the month of January uh, overall. So Kentucky's at that number three spot. Eight of the last nine national champions ranked in that top 10, UConn being the lone exception in in 2014. And obviously that was just a fluke year for everybody in college basketball, considering Kentucky was also the the runner-up that year in that just number eight seed, very bizarre uh, finish that year. But consistently, if you are in that group of programs, you're a contender. And, yeah. and I remember Chen Coleman said earlier in the year that top 15 is where he wants to be defensively. He's kind of Kentucky's defensive guru, uh, but he kn- he knows these numbers, too. And he knows that uh, that that top 15 spot is kind of uh, a, a real true correlation of final four runs over the last two decades or so. But top 20 will get you there. And Kentucky is is firmly there offensively. I mean, they've been top four, top five offensively in the last month and a half, two months, honestly, and they've been flirting around that top 20, top 25-ish range in defense about that same span, too. They are rounding into form, Sean, as a true national title contender, and I think it's time to start talking about them as such. They just be the number five team at their own house in arguably the most hostile environment in college basketball soundly. I mean, it was this was not even close, Sean. They, they beat the brakes off of the Kansas Jayhawks. That, that's the first time I think you could turn on a tape and see that Fog Allen had no impact. Like Allen Fieldhouse had no impact at any point in that game. From start to finish, the the arena the, the, it never got into the game. Kentucky, every time they would they'd neutralize it, they would just take them out. It'd be a 5 or 6 spurt. But the thing that you take away is Bill Self is now on record saying that that team can win a national championship. He's not the first coach to say that. This year, I know Rick Barnes after that game against Tennessee, he, he comes out and says that that team, er, the team's beating everybody. And that's the, that's where you're starting to stack it up as you're starting to get that respect. And, and they've always had respect, but it's been a while since Kentucky's kind of been in this in this category of, of you know, like they were flying in this game as an underdog, Jack. 
And had they lost it, you know, I mean, everybody, you'd still have those teams that say, yeah, Kentucky's good enough to make a run, but are they a legit title contender? And they are. Like, they're legit. Like, this is one of the better – this is one of the, the four or five best teams in college basketball. And when they play like that and they get that effort from Keon Brooks, like, nobody's beating them because they're so good in so many different areas. And now the defensive stuff is starting to come around. Like, tonight, they were so connected defensively. There were four or five possessions in the first half where Kansas – had Kentucky scrambling, but the closeouts were like by the book. The defensive rotations were by the book, and they're starting to buy in. Not only is Oscar Sheblade right there for defensive player of the year or uh, for national for national player of the year, SEC player of the year, but you're starting to see some of his impact defensively now. And I know he had a bad game last week against Walker Kessler, but that, that's a guy that could end up being SEC defensive player of the year at the end of the year. Like He could run the table with awards. Yeah, and the, the, there's a stat that I was pulling up. I was going through the box score. I was writing the big takeaways post uh, on KSR. And Oscar Sheboy, something that nobody really is acknowledging. Everybody knows that he's putting up these 20 and 20 numbers, dominant point totals and dominant rebounding totals. But he's now up to 36 steals in 21 games yeah. for, for Kentucky. Uh, and he was credited with four tonight. He's had... Uh, let me check three, at least three steals now in seven games this season, including four of the last five. He's making a monstrous defensive impact on that end of the floor. And that's something that like, yeah, maybe he's not super versatile on the perimeter and, and he's very limited. He's he's a strict guard for uh, guard, the four or the five. He can't guard on the perimeter. You know, his lateral quickness isn't all there. You know, those type of things are totally fine. But for his size, for his limitations that that are, you know, physical limitations, nothing that he can do about it at six, nine, you know, not the longest wingspan. He's he has more than held his own defensively this season. And that's why he's still still uh, in the running for SEC defensive player of the year. It's incredible what he's been able to do, given his size limitations and his length limitations. Uh, where where he's still able to poke balls loose and block shots and just kind of hold his ground at you know six nine two hundred sixty pounds, uh, he's I mean he's just an anchor down low. There, there's no better way to put it. That dude is an anchor down low on both ends of the floor for the for the Wildcats. Well, and, and if you haven't kind of looked at stats throughout the season, it probably it might have caught some by surprise when he was named uh, Nate Smith Defensive Player of the Year watch list earlier in the week. People probably like Oscar Sheboy, national player, national defensive player of the year. Are you sure it's not national player of the year? No, like when you throw in those stats and those steals, and he's had quite a few few steals this year that have led to transition points as well. But there was a possession there tonight in the game where he had unbelievable post defense, just was straight up, just walled up, and McCormick could not go anywhere. And I was like, okay, this this kid's turned into a wall defensively and then he's going to clean it up in those defensive rebounds and then the steals he is becoming a complete player his his offensive game the stepping out the, the shot he hit there midway through the first half j- just nothing but net and then he put it on the floor and made a play at the rim uh the play in the second half where he gets an offensive rebound and he, he misses it then he, <laughs> he misses another one and then he just comes away with it he refuses to give in he fights every second he's on the floor one of the toughest dudes in college basketball uh, this team, the way it's put together right now, and and we'll get into all this in the next few minutes, but Tata Washington's impact. He had two points, but just his presence alone. The offense flows when he's on the floor. He's a threat to score. His ability to pass. For what the for what Keon and Oscar did at the four five, 
Ty Ty and Savir were really, really good at one, two as well. And it didn't have to be scoring the ball. They combined for nine points, but it was the assist, the low turnovers, the, the not forcing anything. You just let Kellen Grady do his thing from three. He had four shots tonight, all four of them three pointers. And Calipari with the wink during the timeout to him. Like awesome. this, this team, this team, like I said early in the season, it has a lot of great individual pieces that complement one another very well. And this is becoming a team now that I look at it, Jack, that it might be one of his most complete, well-balanced teams that he's ever had as a head coach. Not the most talented. No chance it's the most talented. But by far, how they complement one another, this is a beautiful masterpiece right now. Well, so Cal, his go-to Calism over the years has been, if you have four players capable of scoring 25-plus points on any given night, that's a team that can win you a title. And when you have... Keon Brooks, all due respect to Keon Brooks, but that is not a guy that you expect to score 25 points on any given night, but he did. And he unlocked, he unlocked something for this team. And we talked about maybe Davion Mintz being that guy to unlock something for this team or Jacob Toppin defensively. When he comes in that, that extra piece, you know what you're going to get out of Xavier Wheeler as a playmaker. You know what you're going to get out of Ty Ty Washington as a pure scorer. You know what you're going to get out of Kellen Grady as a shooter. And you know what you're going to get out of Oscar Sheboy as that go-to at least 15 and 15 guy down low. But if you have that one additional piece outside of the main four, that main core group of four, if you have one piece that does above and beyond what he's expected to do on any given night, Kentucky's unstoppable. That's just yeah. what this team is. There is If Keon Brooks, who is a guy that, Sean, how many times have we said his name on this show and just asked for this night? We've we've we have talked about Keon Brooks' potential as that dynamic, versatile, athletic mismatch nightmare on the show constantly, and just said, "Dude, why are you not attacking with?" There's there's a difference between attacking with recklessness and attacking with poise and patient patience, and that's something that we've seen in, in past weeks where he just kind of recklessly attacks the basket and kind of throws things up and gets called for charges or dribbles off his knee. And he does things and people are go, well, that's why you don't put the ball on the floor. No, there's a difference. What he was doing tonight, he was letting the game come to him. He was finding his spots with patience and he was attacking when the opportunities were, were presented to himself. And, and he was a true, he wasn't a three level scorer, but he was a true mid range to, to down low threat where he was drawing fouls. He, I, I think he scored, I wrote down the numbers. He went to the free throw line. He had seven consecutive free throws that he made, went to the line four straight times. That is exactly what we're asking. He is it's well, way too long and way too athletic to not do something like this on, on a regular basis. And and someone asked me this week in a mailbag, and has, has Keon Brooks Jr. peaked at Kentucky? And, and honestly, I said, yeah. Because what had we seen really up until tonight? Now, this is this going to be an outlier performance, or is this kind of showing what he can do? And and I don't want to make it all about Keon. Like if Keon goes out the next game and has nine, it's it's not a bad thing. Like you know that Keon can do this. Like he can hit that mid range jumper. Like he took a lot of good shots tonight. He didn't. I mean, it wasn't from the three point line. There was nothing forced. He was aggressive going to the offensive glass. He. Savir getting to the paint and throwing that lob there at the end of the first half. Like the, the way 
the way that they used him tonight, and, and I know that the mid-range shot is just a lost art in the game of basketball, but for him, it's his best way to, to complement these other pieces. And he gets that look because of a guy like Kellen Grady that stretches you out so far. He gets that look because you have to stay attached to Oscar Sheboy because if you don't, when the ball's going up on the glass, he's getting an offensive rebound. Xavier Wheeler getting downhill. When you kind of take it all apart and look at it, his mid-range game is kind of what this team needs to go along with all these other pieces. And you saw how many times did you see it tonight where those guards would get in there and Keon would kind of just curl around to the 15-foot to the elbow or to the to the free throw line and just just wide open. And there was no – Yeah, five, six, seven, eight times. I mean – Yeah, and just total just total confidence. And, and that right there today, like, man – Kentucky, it's it's a buzzsaw when they're all playing well and they're they're all bought in and it doesn't matter. How about Jacob Toppin on the bench? Cal was about to put him in, and Cal says that Jacob said no, keep keep playing Keon. Like these guys know, like all right, it, it's his night. And you're to you mentioned it a minute ago. They've had multiple dudes go for twenty five points. Well, that is a sign of a really good team. And how many people have got the water shower as they walk in the locker room this year? Tata's got it. Oscar's had it. Sabir's had it. Now, Keon's Kellen, had it. Kellen. Kellen, like, I mean, this is a team that you don't want to have to, to prepare for in March. Like, where do you start on the board? Do you take away Kellen Grady's three-point stroke? Do you take away what Oscar Shibway does? Because uh, the next game, it might be Savir that goes for a big night. I mean, it, it's just the balance across this roster. Seven players scored, I think, before the second media timeout. Seven players also grabbed a rebound before the second media timeout, like the balance in all categories. And how about this? Davion Mintz really wasn't a factor tonight offensively. He didn't have to be. No. But these guys have bought into their roles. Lance Ware has bought into his role. And right now, no one is playing Lance Ware's role better in college basketball than Lance Ware. Look, Lance Ware, I have the most respect for out of it. So I talked to his uh, high school coach at Camden at Hoop Hall last week. And I asked, so look, I kind of want to give this behind the scenes story because it is something that I, I still giggle about thinking, thinking about, because it, it was such a cool story. It, very funny. And, and be patient with this because it's going to come across very, uh, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about because it can it comes off as blunt and very just odd, um, how his, his coach wore it. So Rick Brunson's a coach at Camden, who's also the head coach of DJ Wagner, the number one player in, in high school basketball right now, the class of 2023. So everybody in their mother asks him about DJ Wagner. Where's DJ Wagner going? What separates DJ Wagner as a recruit? All these questions he's asked about this constantly. So he hates doing media in the first place, but when he walks in, everybody just hounds him about DJ Wagner questions. So he's automatically just kind of pro, you know, pre-programmed for that, that type of conversation. I walk up to him at, at Hoop Hall and I say, hey, uh, coach, I, I need to ask you a couple questions about Lance Ware. And he looks at me and he says, why the hell do you want to talk about Lance Ware? And I go, well, you know, well, why not? And I said, and, and I go, well, it's funny because Cal, you know, you look at the box score. He doesn't do all that much if you just look at look on the surface level. But every single press conference, uh, Lance Ware is brought up by coach Cal every single time uh, coach Cal says, how about Lance or, or did you see Lance tonight? What about Lance? And uh, coach Brunson says, first things first, you need to learn how to not trust coach Cal. 
Everything he says is BS. So just take everything with a grain of salt. Basically, he wanted nothing. He just could not fathom the idea that I had very serious questions to ask about Lance Ware when he is the number one player in high school basketball on his team. He was just so thrown off. And he joked about uh, about Coach Cal and how he's just a BS. And so it was hilarious. I, I, I think I short circuited his brain talking about Lance Ware because he, he had no idea why coming off a big win. Uh, against whoever they were playing that night. I can't remember uh, why I would have a question about a former four-star recruit that's get averaging like eight minutes a game at Kentucky this year, but it cracked him up. He was dying laughing. It was, it was hilarious. But he said, I have utmost respect for Lance Ware and how he goes about things. He said he is the most coachable player I ever had at Camden. He said uh, that what he does on every given night, he said he's coachable. He learns. He takes things to heart. He's building confidence. I have utmost respect for him and how he handles things. Uh, and he said, he's, he said, look, I told you guys from the start, he's a four-year player at, at Kentucky, and he knows that he's a four-year player at Kentucky. He did not go to Kentucky expecting to be a one-and-done or a two-and-done or even a three-and-done. He knows his exact path in, in Lexington. He knows exactly who he is as a player. He wants to learn, and he wants to buy into his role however he can help a team win. And I thought that was the coolest quote that I've gotten in a really long time because what coach says that you know like every every coach wants to to say that their kid is the best player since you know who knows when and and that this my kid deserves more opportunities if he just got more opportunities to shine then he could be this and that like there's this mindset with with coaches that they just want to put their kids on a pedestal and say he's the greatest kid I've ever had but he said that Lanceware was the most coachable player he's ever had coach uh, Sean how often do you hear that with anybody? And it, it just, it, it's, it's exactly what we've seen in his time at Kentucky. There's a reason that every press conference, John Calipari, John Calipari brings up what Lance Ware does for this team. It's because he comes in and he plays his role. He doesn't try to be something he's not. He's going to come in and give you a tough basket. He's going to give you four or five tough rebounds. He's going to die for a loose ball. Uh, I talked to his AAU coach before he got to Kentucky. He said, there will never be a game that he leaves a goose egg in, in, in the box score, he will always give you something, whether it's points, rebounds, uh, steal, diving for a loose ball, a turnover. I mean, he's going to give you something no matter what. He will never leave a goose egg. So uh, long story short, I have utmost respect for Lance Ware and what he's doing for this team and what he's providing for this team. I think that he is the ultimate role player, and uh, I think it's going to pay off in March. Yeah, four points, four rebounds, and not in nine minutes and 56 seconds. So you – you can't ask for much more. Like, that's the perfect role. Like, if Oscar – you're now to the point, if if there's a half where Oscar has to sit for 10 minutes, you don't have to, like, sit there and think, oh, no, the sky's falling. He, he can go in there and hold his own. He can rebound his position. He can defend his position. And if, if he gets close to the rim, he'll, he'll put a basket in. I know he had the uh, basket interference call tonight, but it was kind of a fluke play there where he thought it was a lob, and, and it looked like Kellen actually shot the ball. But he has bought into his role. Across this roster, multiple guys have, though. Jacob Toppin has bought into his role. Like, he hit a three tonight. I mean, he he made some plays. He was a perfect 4-4 four, four from the field. I think 2-2 two two from the free throw line. He hit a three. Just a really good performance from him. And we all know that they're going to need him again at some point. They're going to need Davion Mintz again at some point. Like, the balance across this roster, they're so hard to prepare for. And they're in, they're playing really good basketball. And I don't think they've peaked. Like, I still think that there's a lot of room for them to keep improving and keep gelling together. 
And the reason I don't think that they've peaked is because it's not like it's one guy every night. It's a different guy every single game. That allows you to not peak too early. Like this is going to be an NCAA tournament when they get in there where you're going to have a Kellen Grady game. You're going to have an Oscar Sheboy game. It's going to be a collective group. It's not going to have to be one or two guys. Like you, I mean, how many years have we talked about Kentucky where that when they have come up short, it's because someone had an off night. That, that's not the case with this team. You can get away with someone having an off night. Your backcourt can be off as long as they take care of the ball and dish out assist. Your front court can carry you. If your front court's not scoring, your guards can go for 40 between the two of them. Like it, it's hard, it's hard to prepare for them. I mean, look at the box score. <laughs> Safir Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington combined for nine points on four of 16 shooting. One of six from three between the two of them. It's like, name a game where you, where, where that is a normal thing. And you, and, and Kentucky wins by 18 points at, at Allen Fieldhouse, like nine points four of 16 shooting combined and can, between your, your two lead guards and Kentucky wins by almost 20, the lead by as many as 24 points uh, late in the second half and, and win by 18 points. I mean, that, that this team is something that the, the way they're rounding into form right now and the way they're putting it all together, it, it just, it just feels like something special, Sean. And I, I, I don't want to get, you know, too far ahead of myself. And I know there's still a lot of basketball left to be played, but I I mean, name, name the flaws on this team, like name them, like name Mm -hmm. something that makes you go, "Mm, that's going to be what's that's going to be their downfall in March. I can't look at this team and see where, where they fall short in March. I just don't. I mean, if uh, health, maybe health is literally the only thing that could slow this team down. I I just, I have that much confidence in this group. Well, Tonight was their kind of moment, their statement to college basketball. Like the Tennessee game was the Tennessee game, but that was at Rupp Arena. This was at a place where Bill Self had only lost 15 games since he's been at Kansas. And this is a game where Kansas never had a chance. They never had a chance. They led for like, a, I think, a minute maybe. I think Kentucky led for almost 38 minutes of this game. That's total domination that wouldn't have surprised you on a neutral floor at Rupp Arena, but it surprises you at Allen Fieldhouse. But here's the deal. It would have happened a week sooner if Ty Ty Washington had, hadn't gone down with an ankle injury at Auburn. I think so, too. Like, this would have happened last week. They would have won at Auburn, and then they would have been stacking wins on the road against quad one competition. But look at this. This resume looks a lot different tonight than it did at 5 o'clock today. That quad one victory on the road at Kansas changes everything for where they go on seed line. Like, they're firmly going to be on a two-seed line when we wake up tomorrow morning when Lenardi updates everything. But there's a realistic possibility if they can go on the road at Alabama next week and get a win and on the road at Tennessee the following weekend. And I think they can do that at both. You saw Alabama today beat Baylor, one of the most confusing resumes in college basketball <laughs> when you look at Alabama. But it's a team that when Nate Oates gets it right and that environment's right down there, you're going to have another hostile crowd next Saturday. But what team, what other team in college basketball would you want to go into that environment other than Kentucky? And if they come away with wins there, Jack, like, you could look up when this team goes to – when this team returns from Tennessee. Let's just say that the next few weeks that they, they go perfect. When you come back and you play Alabama at home on February 19th, it wouldn't shock me if, if Lenardi and all these bracketologists are talking about Kentucky in contention for a one seed because their resume 
there's nothing wrong with it. All it was missing was that win, that win away from Rupp Arena. Now you got A&M in your pocket, you got Kansas in your pocket, and you got opportunities to get more. This resume is going to be one of the better ones in college basketball on Selection Sunday. That is now five weeks away. They're closing in on it at the right time. And you got to keep going back to the, the committee has to look at those two losses, the one at LSU and the one at Auburn, and understand that those were wins for Kentucky if Kentucky, if they were at full strength. If Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler don't go down in both of those games, uh, I think that they genuinely look at both of those games and, and see those as, as at least close losses, if not – wins maybe even the LSU being the case of, of a of a firm win. I think the only clear losses on this roster when they were at their full full strength was against Duke to open the year and Notre Dame three weeks later, two weeks later, whatever that was. Since that Notre Dame game, this team has been firing on all on all cylinders and at full strength, they've been almost impossible to beat. And they I mean they haven't been beaten outside of those two games, but I, I just genuinely think that the selection committee is going to look at this resume. And even though they have four losses, look at it different than some of the other three loss teams and maybe even some of the other two loss teams in college basketball, given the circumstances. Because, you, I mean, how often do you lose your two lead guards in any environment, especially a road environment, especially against the number one or I guess number two at the time against Auburn? Uh, those type of teams do you come out on top? You, I mean, the circumstances were just so overwhelmingly poor in Kentucky's favor that the selection committee has to give respect to those, those final scores and, and how that unfolded. I just think when push comes to shove, when they see how this, how this is all unfolding, you came out 17 and four on the year, six and two in conference play uh, as, as they keep stacking these strong wins on top of the other, I think that their 17 and four is better than, some of the other 19 and twos on in college basketball, the 18 and threes, those type of, of schedules. I, I just think their resume right now is so impressive. And when push comes to shove down the stretch, uh, I just think that the, the selection committee is going to respect that. I think that they're going to kind of toss those two losses out and uh, kind of e- even the playing field for everybody in college basketball. Uh, when you take those two, two losses out and outside of that, Kentucky has been playing almost near perfect basketball since then. And, uh, just makes you very, very excited about the long-term potential of where this team can go. I mean, it's it, it's just baffling uh, of where things are now, where things were, and where things can be in the future, Sean. Yeah, it, it is. And, I mean, they that defensive performance tonight, though, is what changes it for me. I know I said today that you don't have to – like, when you get to the NCAA tournament, I'd take offensive efficiency over defensive efficiency because I think that – Really good guards carry you in the NCAA tournament every single year. You can look at a national championship team, and they're they're led by guards. Kentucky's got a really, really good group of guards right now, but they also have a really good group of four and five men, a collection of talent there as well. But the defensive number, you wanted to kind of see it climb and settle somewhere in that top 20. It's starting to climb now. But they did it against one of the more efficient offensive teams today in Ken Palm. I mean, Kansas is right there with Kentucky, with Gonzaga. And uh, this is a good basketball team, and they've got plenty of opportunities the next few weeks, the next few months. And, I mean, we're closing in now. Shouldn't we get the first 16 bracket reveal pretty soon? Next week, a couple of weeks. 
I think, think week or two. It's usually, yeah. It's usually around the second week of February. So yeah. where is Kentucky on that day? If they go to, to Alabama, if they if they get a win against Vandy Wednesday at Rupp Arena, then they go to Alabama next week and get a win. Given what happens in college basketball, you don't know where they are. Like I said, they have no bad losses. Notre Dame's in the quad one territory right now. The Ohio game that they won early in the season is a quad two win. Like there's no <laughs> bad losses. Like this resume that for the longest time when we talked – Late December, we were like, man, this, they don't have a resume. I remember saying it on this podcast. They don't have a resume. They have it now, and now it's about what all do you want to add to it. They have so many opportunities to get quality wins the next few weeks. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And one thing I, I really respect, and, and Cal brought it up after the game today, is that I think that his rotation is final. I think that – he understands what this team is. I think all of his best teams have cut down the rotation to seven or eight players right around that February, March range, especially going into postseason play. And Cal had a very revealing quote after the game today uh, where he essentially said, at this point, the guys at the top of the rotation, the top seven guys, uh, they're going to be continuing their spots. And, uh, you know, if you're Dante Allen, if you're Bryce Hopkins and you're, you're Damian Collins, you need to be those guys' best supporters from the bench. And he said on the flip side, those players, those top of the rotation guys need to continue to show support to those guys at the end of the bench that aren't going to have opportunities going down the home stretch and continue to build their confidence in the, op- in the case, the slim chance that they need to come in and, and make an impact given, you know, their role, given the circumstance, whatever, if Oscar and Lance go down with early, you know, foul trouble or injury or whatever, and Kentucky desperately needs Damian Collins to make something, they still need to be ready, but see this as more of a, you know, keep building their long-term confidence going into even next year and, and, you know, their, their future at Kentucky, uh, you know, don't let their their confidence be killed because it's it's January 29th and they're not playing basketball right now. It, it saw it, the way he worded it was like, "This is the rotation. This is what it is. Both sides need to understand that this is what it is. The top of the rotation needs to support support the bottom, and the bottom needs to support the top, and so be it." It was just kind of a very, I think, monumental moment for Cal this season that we've seen a lot with his best teams where he makes that final decision about this rotation is what it is. The guys at the back need to understand that they are not in that rotation and they need to do their best to support this team and be, you know, cheerleaders from the bench and ultimate practice guys, uh, you know, when their name, their numbers are called in practice as well, but we're going to roll with the guys we got. We like our team. Let's, let's roll the balls out and let's go. I, I think it's a very clear sign that Cal likes his team. He's not messing, tweaking with the rotation. He's not trying to figure things out. He knows what this team is, and he's very confident about what they are. He, he is, and he has every right to be right now. The The way that they're playing, the, they made tough plays. You knew Kansas had a run in them. They tried to ignite it and get it going. But then the next thing you know, can, can Kellen Grady drills a three, and then Kentucky gets a steal, and Jacob Toppin gets an easy bucket. They go to the free throw line for a couple free throws. You made a very good point this morning in the preview episode talking about it, if Kentucky can kind of stay within 10 at the free throw line. Well, they actually shot more free throws than Kansas did. And <laughs> I don't know if we've ever – like, what is going on? Like, what what did I just watch tonight? They went to Allen Fieldhouse, and they didn't get a bad whistle. It wasn't a free throw shooting contest. And it just – you could look and Bill Self is like, what did we just run into? 
Like Bill Self has had a couple of games against Kentucky, like, you know, the, the game in 2014, 2015, where he's like, what do you do with this team? I think he felt the same way tonight. What do you do with this team? When they're on, there's nothing you can do. You just hope and pray that you can score enough points. And we saw Tennessee, and they couldn't. I just don't know when this team is in that groove and that now that they've bought in defensively as well. And, look, we, we talked about this roster when the season started. Like, some guys are going to have to kind of sacrifice. They're going to have to sit back and just kind of buy into a different role. And we, and we questioned. We were like, well, do we get a mid-year transfer? Because there's a lot of guys on this roster. Credit to these guys. They've bought in. Mm-hmm. And there's no team turmoil. The locker room is involved, whether a guy plays or they don't play. Like, this is a really good recipe for success right now. And, and this, is a, this is a resume that's coming together. And I just – I can't wait to that SEC tournament, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. I hope they get another shot at Auburn at full strength because that could be – you could have two teams from the SEC, in, in my opinion, that could earn a one seed, Kentucky and Auburn, if it's the SEC title game. Mm, man, Tampa's going to be a hopping, and, and we're both going to be there, I, I'm, I'm sure. And I'm sure people probably think I'm getting ahead of myself with this, but this team just doesn't have any bad losses. And if they're healthy, I actually like them – you could honestly say that they could sweep the table the rest of the regular season. They have a lot of games at Rupp Arena they can win. But then the road games, like Tennessee, Tennessee struggles to score. I mean, you watched that tonight against Texas. I mean, 51 points. Kentucky's going to score enough to beat Tennessee. This is a team, man, that I'm telling you, lock in the next few weeks. If they can go to Alabama next week and get a big one. Ooh, man. Well, um, it's getting late. And we uh, already went longer than I kind of 35 minutes. It's been a good, good little post game show. I think we've uh, nailed a lot of the uh, the big topics of, of tonight's win and, and definitely have uh, a lot to look forward to. Sean, let's wrap up with uh, this last thing. Kentucky is going to take on Vandy on Wednesday night, a, a team that they already beat on the road once. Uh, what what are what's something that you're looking forward to, uh, you know, for Kentucky to continue this momentum to kind of keep this uh, keep this high rolling for for the Wildcats against a not great opponent, you know, to not have a let to not have a letdown game at, that, at Rupp Arena. That's the thing is the, the good sign of a veteran team is they pick up their lunch pail and they go right back to work. It would be easy to come home after this win and kind of be like, man. We're going to hear all the good about us now. We're going to hear all the good from my outlet, from your outlet, from national outlets. Lock in and just go back to work. You know that Vandy's coming in there and they're thinking, what? You cannot let Oscar Sheboy go for 30 again on you and 14 or 15 rebounds. How does Kentucky respond? Do you know they didn't have Xavier Wheeler the last time they played Vandy? They're at full strength at Rupp Arena. It's a Wednesday night tip. Just go back to work, continue playing basketball, continue just racking up wins, and then just get to March. Just keep getting better and get to March. And stay healthy. Like, I just want to see this team stay healthy. And that's why I said I don't think that they've peaked yet because that wasn't 100% Ty Ty Washington tonight. Mm-hmm. There's no way it was. that He hadn't practiced all week. You could tell that he was out of rhythm with a shot, but he wasn't, without a, he wasn't out of rhythm with his team. I want to see these guys at 100% when everybody playing their best, and uh, it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and Ty Ty still had five assists, three rebounds, and three steals, only one turnover in 32 minutes. So even with him not at his best, even with him and, playing poorly, quote-unquote. And his one of nine wasn't bad shots. 
His one yeah. of nine wasn't bad shots. It wasn't four shots. It was just one of nine. It won't be one of nine the next time they play. Oh, goodness gracious, Sean. It's uh, plenty to be excited about. And, and what's funny is we could have been close on our, our, uh, on our prediction before the show. 81-79 was our prediction. We almost got the, uh, the Kentucky score correct, but Kansas shortchanged us. They, they, well, we, we overestimated what they could do offensively and underestimated what Kentucky could do defensively. Well, I, I didn't expect Kentucky to defend together the way that they did. That's, I'm telling you, that's the most impressive thing about the win tonight. Yeah, they put up 81. They, whisk, they just completely dominated the entire game. But it was the defensive energy. When you turn on the tape and you look at the the possessions where Kansas thought they had a ball by a hip, and there's someone else there, and then the the next rotation, whether it was a guard rotating over, it was the tagger on pick and rolls. It didn't matter. Like there was so many good defensive rotations in this game that I'm sitting there on the couch going, "My goodness, like <laughs> this is beautiful. This is beautiful basketball." They they've bought in on both ends of the floor. They're playing a complete game now. They're lethal in transition. They're going to kill you in the paint. They're going to own the glass. It's really hard to stop Kentucky when they're playing their best like they were today. I'm not sure there's a team in college basketball that can beat Kentucky when they're doing what they did today. In the wide wor- wise words of John Calipari, I like my team, Sean. Let's uh, get out of here. It's been a very fun show. I've enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, let's get out of here with one quick message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across sports as well. The NFL playoffs are here. The uh, AFC and NFC championship games are tomorrow. So uh, you have plenty of time to add in those players to your picks with their over or under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Price Picks app or visit pricepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit, don't forget that's the Price Picks app or PrizePicks.com with promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky Stars to the next level. Sean, awesome, awesome show followed by, uh, or I guess after an awesome, awesome win for the Kentucky Wildcats tonight, eighty to sixty-two in Lawrence. Very, very tough to uh, get any better than that. So let's wrap up and get out of here on that note. Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. 
Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.